Welcome to the Mortgage Vault podcast hosted by Voltage. Voltage is a mortgage automation company that helps mortgage lenders and servicers reduce the time and cost to close and board mortgages. Mortgage Vault podcast is for mortgage industry professionals who want to stay ahead of the curve. Every week you will hear from experts, thought leaders and legends on what's next in the mortgage industry. All of this with just one goal in mind that you stay on top of your game. So, sit back, relax and enjoy this episode of Mortgage Vault. Hey everybody, it's Sanat, marketing head at Voltage and your host today. Voltage is a mortgage automation software that helps you produce and service more loans doing less work. Welcome to Mortgage Vault podcast. A very good morning and welcome to this episode of the Mortgage Vault podcast. Today, we are in conversation with Sean Ansley, Managing Director at Vice Capital. Thank you so much for joining us, Sean. Thank you for having me this morning. Great. So let's start talking about Vice Capital, right? So we would love to hear about the company, what it does and how it helps IMBs, depositories and credit unions in the secondary market. So that will be great to start with. Sure thing, Sanar. So uh, Vice Capital is based in uh, Novi, Michigan, which is just right outside of Detroit, Michigan. And we've been in the industry for uh, 20 plus years. We're a hedging firm, so we serve all size clients. We have some as small as that do about $5 million in volume a month, up to $5 billion a month. And we really pride ourselves on our ability to really be able to take our services and customize them to the client's needs and specifications. So with that, we have like three main types of clients. We have ones that are full service. Those are the ones that we provide the reporting, the fallout analysis, execution analysis. We trade on their behalf. We also execute their loans and sell them as well. Then we have ones that are just reporting where they just value our reports and they just want the reports and they do all the trading and loan sales on their own. And then we have the hybrids. And those are the ones that, again, they get the reporting and all the analytics and then they like to do their loan sales, but we handle their hedges. So we're actually the ones who are, you know, pairing those off, taking down new hedges daily on their behalf. So we've been doing that now, like I said, uh, for 20 years. And it's uh, been a wild ride, but it's been a, lot, a fun one, too. And uh, the, the best part about the way we communicate with our clients is, like I said, we're very personable. So it's like it gives us the eyes and ears of 40 lenders where we can take some experiences to spread across the other clients to help them. You know, basically, it's just being able to share information throughout the industry. It's, you know, with this kind of field, it's not really like you don't want to cut other people out. You really want to help each other and, you know, share stuff across like we're doing right now, right. you know, across, across the field. And so this has been a really a pleasant experience being able to do that with all different size clients. Awesome. So now you said that uh, it's almost been two decades, right? So you have been with Vice Capital for close to 16 years now. And so my question is, what inspired you to kind of, you know, start a career in the mortgage space and what really made you stay for long and, you know, stick along with this industry for good? Yeah. So basically I was finishing up, I got a, a master's in applied and computational mathematics from the University of Michigan. And when I was finishing up, I was actually at the time bartending and I was job hunting, just trying to get my, my foot in the door around here. And I came across a listing for an analyst with a, a master's in mathematics required for a hedging firm. And at the time I had zero mortgage industry experience. And I was kind of like, what is a hedging firm? You know, and I checked out the site and I went in and interviewed and found out what it was about. 
been here ever since. I've been uh, with Chris and Vice for over 16 years now, and he's been a true mentor to me and really, you know, showed me a lot in the in the mortgage industry that I didn't have that background. And while I, you know, provided the analytics and the, and being able to set up a lot of our modeling, he really, you know, walked me down the road of mortgages and what it's all about. And it's been a really exciting 16 years. I mean, we've seen growth for when we start, when I was starting, we were trading about 500 to 600 million a month. And now we're trading up 15 to 20 billion a month. So just, you know, experiencing uh, the ups and downs that we've seen in this industry, it's been, it's been interesting to say the least. Wow, that's great to hear. You know, your transition from computational mathematics to MBS trading, that's, that's really awesome. Now, I would like to have your view on the present market conditions, right? Which are a bit different from the previous years in many ways like with rising interest rates, a shortage of housing supply, and the increasing commoditization of loan products, do you see any spillover impact on the secondary markets? Yeah, it's funny. Like, everything's just, you know, changing so so often and stuff. So, like, with last summer, we saw a really large spike in uh, all the refinances right. going through, especially during COVID. And then you had, you know, you couldn't get people to come in to inspect your homes because of COVID. So we saw that peak, and obviously it's kind of gone down in, like, Michigan and a lot of other places. You've seen houses prices are soaring, you know, and then everyone's looking at, well, if you sell this house, you know, the next one's going to be even more. So it's been really crazy with up and downs. But right now, the biggest thing that we've been noticing is there has been a a little, um, besides the dip in volumes, that they're now actually coming up a little bit because of, you know, the changes we're seeing with the possible, uh, the FHFA is, you know, with the changes they had, they're going to be looking at, you know, some of the restrictions being a little bit lessened. So we're actually seeing interest rates over this past month or, you know, end of, end of June, we're actually kind of dropping a little bit in volumes. We're picking up a, a little bit, not to the peaks of what we saw last right. month, but definitely seeing a little bit of an uptick right now with, with those changes. Right, right. So like taking this question one step forward, right, apart from what we just discussed, what are some of the other factors that you can think of that can actually make interest rate risk mitigation a challenge for IMBs operating in secondary markets? There's so many different changes and stuff. It's a, it's a hard question to answer. You know, an underperforming jobs number could really take a swing. Uh, all the political stuff that's going on in the country right now can definitely take it either way. You just really never know. And the important thing is just being able to react to it and try to anticipate what kind of changes are coming through. So right now, if we lessen some of the credit requirements, you know, obviously that's going to help and boost volumes for across the board. So with those changes, I mean, like I said, the individuals just need to be prepared for it. And that's something that we really spend a lot of time on here, being able to adjust accordingly and would shock the market up and down to be able to move those hedges appropriately. Great. So now I would like to, you know, turn your attention towards a topic that is really close to my heart, right? Like, being a mortgage automation company ourselves, we are super stoked to talk about automation and tech. And uh, from a recent interview, I understand that you have been instrumental in automating a lot of day-to-day operations at Rice Capital, right? So can you talk to us a bit about the kind of automation systems that you deployed and how has this helped Rice Capital improve their overall operation efficiency? So yeah, I mean, APIs has been a buzzword now for, for quite a bit. And uh, right. being able to, to implement those and implement them accurately is, is key. And uh, so we have a few different ones that we use day to day. I mean, obviously, 
through acquisition reporting, that's basically what that is. We're basically taking a data dump and processing it for what is the active pipeline and what needs to be considered for the current hedges. Uh, another thing is for pricing. There's a lot of pricing that's built off of APIs now that we've been like, you know, we went from once we just pulling off of rate sheets to actually just doing it themselves, going out there and, and pulling them down and then being able to analyze it for our allocation purposes. And also for the pricing models that we send out to our clients. That's all part of that automation as well. There's quite a few, like Fannie and Freddie gotten really involved with the pricing of loans down to the actual loan level detail and with using APIs. And it's been really cool to see and and really helpful to do it in a much more uh, uh, efficient process. So by using these different APIs, we're able to, you know, pull down the pricing and then you use, there's different investors too that are using it as well to price as on a bulk bid basis and analyze those together and be able to commit through them as well. So being able to commit through the API kind of takes out some of that human error, I guess you'd say, right. when you're going back and forth and email and stuff like that. But using these systems, they're speedy, they're accurate, and especially the ones with the low level detail, they're really saving some time for our purposes. Great. So like sometime back, you spoke about, you know, past year having experienced a surge in refi volumes because of the dip in interest rates, uh, whereas this year, obviously, the interest rates have risen. Now, given the recent, uh, you know, vaccination drives and gradual reopenings and the COVID receding, how do you see the housing market shaping up this year and maybe the next so, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to predict it with because, like, now they're talking about the Delta variant and stuff like that. And right. It's you know, sending people right back to home, like, especially in Michigan. We just really opened up in it. And then the office building that we uh, that we are at, they've actually more companies have come back to work. And, you know, a lot of people that were at home going back downtown. Uh, my wife in particular, she works at the Renaissance Center downtown. Right. And they've been working remote this entire time. So with those changes and stuff, I, I feel like it's going to probably like steady out like it is right now, because pretty much the people who were at home and had the time to, you know, work through the refis and stuff like that. I think they all did that last summer. So with the race, you know, taken right now, it'll be, again, looking at any changes from the FHFA to try to make it, you know, lift some of those credit restrictions, something that the people who weren't able to do it at that time may help to drive the volumes and go from there. Like and with, um, I think I saw even an article this morning saying the price of wood is getting, it's finally peaked and now it's going to start coming back down. So maybe the new sales will start to come up a little bit more because those are, especially in this area too, I, I noticed a lot, you know, they're kind of stalling out because you, you get pricing too high and people aren't going to pay that much money for a, uh, you know, prefab house and then have to, you know, look at refinancing it right away. So right right now, you know, I definitely think it, we're seeing more of a plateau, but there's definitely room to increase volumes for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Even even I feel that with, with four billion exits in the near horizon, we can expect some more housing supply to be back in the market, actually cool off the price pressure. So, uh, you know, in the context of what we discussed, right, the trends in housing supply that we're expecting, what are some of the key focus areas for you this year to ensure healthy growth in MBS uh, trade volumes? The key part for us is we really need to make sure that, you know, there's a lot of clients out there that that don't realize they can benefit from our services. Like they're thinking they're, they're not big enough, they're, you know, their volumes out there that they're not ready for edging, but that's not the case. And in a lot of circumstances, to offset what they would make by hedging and by our advanced delivery methods, you know, keep their margins the same while better the pricing they're sending to the street. 
thus taking in more loans. So, you know, as we really try to get out there and try to let, you know, all these different mortgage companies and banks and credit unions know that there's a spot for everyone. And like I said, we're really highly customizable. So we can make it exactly what they're anticipating. And again, there there are some that, you know, aren't a perfect fit for hedging, but in the, in the grand scheme, almost all of there's there's a way it'll work. And that will definitely help to, you know, keep volumes up in our trading up at, at the same time. Great. Now, as we head towards the end of this episode, right, it will be great to have some parting advice from you on career building. Now, with the mortgage industry getting increasingly competitive, what advice do you have for young mortgage professionals who are just entering the space and who really want to grow? The one thing that's really helped me is communication. Communication is key. You know, you really need to be a good listener, but also at the same time, you want to, you know, think outside the box and ways that you can improve the company you're working for. You know, from my experiences, you know, I Chris is my mentor and some people you need to ask at that company, like, hey, I need a mentor. I need someone to, to really show me some of these things, some of the experiences they've had. I mean, a lot of people have been there for 10 plus years that have been through the ups and downs of this, of this uh, industry and they can really you know, help you along your way, but being a sponge and then just really driving your own destiny. Like uh, in a lot of cases, someone's not going to sit there and tell you everything to do. You know, you need to be looking to, Oh, what can I do to improve? Well, how can I do this better? What, you know, you got to really be the, your own cheerleader to get out there and to keep you on the right track to growth. And as well, like when you're growing yourself, you're helping grow your company. So Hopefully, whoever's above you sees that, and then you benefit from that. Right. It's, it's about owning your own opportunities, if I have to kind of put it that way. Exactly, exactly. They say there's no handouts, so, you know, you just really got to get in there, look, and ask questions, you know. It's, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. People know, you know, there's not a book that that tells you Hedging 101 front to back. You know, there's things that changed. I mean, look at last year, for example. Nobody could have predicted that. And with that, I mean, you just really need to be open and communicate a lot of communication and like be open to eat. Like I mentioned at the beginning, sharing across the industry is huge, you know, going to the different events and talking to uh, the different conferences, which I'm, I'm like, we've all doing the Zoom ones now, but there's a lot of things that you want to share with other people and they can share with you to help each other grow. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean. You shared some great insights on the operations in the secondary markets and how automation has been core of Vice Capital's performance in recent times, plus your added insights on professional growth and career growth. Amazing. So it was great talking to you and I hope you enjoyed this conversation too. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Great. So folks, on that note, we will call it a wrap. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy and stay tuned.